and welcome to Heat Check. This is episode two. I'm your host, Jackson Shade. And joining me today is Ben Kirch. Hi. Nate Fulham. That's me. Josh Goldberg. Hey. Daniel Bailey. Hello. And Andrew Danielson. Hello. We are going to be giving you the hottest takes on the NBA. And to just jump right into it today, we're going to be talking about the Kings, the Magic, and the Pacers and their apparent rise in the NBA. Anyone have anything that they want to say about that? Well, I'm going to start with the Kings on that note. And they are 6-4 and four in their last 10 games, coming off a big win against Oklahoma City, uh, taking down Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Paul, holding Paul George to only 14 points. He still got a double-double, but we'll talk about that later. A big part of the Kings has been Buddy Heald, and we talked about it a little bit last episode. He's averaging 20 points a game. He's shooting 48% from the field, and um, he's just a, one of the standout players for the Kings organization right now, along with uh, De'Aaron Fox. And everyone was knocking Marvin Bagley. Obviously, he's not as good as Luka Doncic, but he has made a great impact in this Kings rise. And I think they're one of the best young cores we have in this league right now. Yeah, I also think even you mentioned the Thunder win, but their two games before that, they, they lost both of them, but they're both on the road against the Nuggets and the Warriors, and they lost each one only by two points, exactly. which is pretty impressive to me, considering they're both on the road. They also have Frank Mason. Love that guy. Shout out, Kansas. Yeah, I think the best thing that they have going for them right now is they have nothing to lose. They're a young team. No one expects anything from them. They're just playing to have fun. And, I mean, the Kings did a great job of building this. They're all young, and um, I think Bagley's going to be really, really good for them, and he's going to fit well with Heald and Fox. So, I mean, I think they're... They're good for this year. Like Obviously, they can make the playoffs and whatever, but I think the important thing for them is for next year and the years after. Yeah, I was just going to say this, but it's definitely not, uh, it's definitely not a, something that couldn't happen that they could make the playoffs, especially since they're only the ninth seed at this point. So it's like, and, and they're only two games out, I think. So it's just, they're very close. So it's not, it's not crazy to think that they wouldn't make it. I agree with that. I kind of hope they make the eighth seed because that series with the Warriors, obviously I feel like the Warriors will probably sweep them, but... They've made all their games against them really close, so hopefully uh, they can continue to do so. So just moving on uh, to the Magic um, also. I mean, it seems they're in a similar, not like a similar position really, but just the fact that they're also in the nine seed really, um, not too far out. Again, they're only like half a game. Half a game so yeah. they, they are really, I mean, in the last um, 10 games, they won the last eight. So, I mean, that was... Or yeah. not the last eight, but they won eight of the last it's ten. Funny so it's funny. Oh, no, okay. okay, I was just gonna say it's funny because they are twenty eight and thirty three, with a chance at making the playoffs in the East. That's just how bad the East is. Oh well, yeah, the East is. The East is very top heavy. Yeah, it's, the, the teams that are that are up there are pretty good, but the West is a lot more just it's spread out except for the Suns, which are just awful. Like, the top four or five teams in the East would be contenders for the top two, three and like the two seed or three seed in the West. It's just that after the Celtics, it starts to drop off, and after the Nets, it pretty much drops off pretty hard. Yeah. So, like, the Bucks, the Raptors, they would be top teams in the West still. It's just that, it's just how top-heavy the East is, whereas the West is really deep. Is it even beneficial for the Magic to make the playoffs? Because they're, they have like, kind of a young core with Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac and uh, Mo Bamba, but they also have a lot of veterans, whereas if they make the playoffs, they really don't have, like, a go-to guy that's really, like, up-and-coming. Like, Vukovic is 28, 29. He's entering his prime. 
their their timelines don't really fit each other. So I don't know how beneficial it would be to get that eight seed, go out in the first round against the Bucks, and then be kind of stuck with a bad draft pick. Well, I mean, if they're the nine seed, they're not going to get an amazing draft pick anyway, really. I mean, it's going to be better than if they, made, it, it, better if than if they made it into the playoffs, but it's still not going to be like that amazing. And I mean, anything can happen in the playoffs. Not that I think that the Magic would take down the Bucks, who are probably going to be the number one seed going into the playoffs. But it's just like, if you can make it to the playoffs over being the nine seed, I feel like. Well, they are the nine seed in the East, which is still a pretty good draft pick, considering the nine. Nine and ten in the West are better records than them, and the eleven is tied. Well, I mean, I agree with Jackson. Like they're they're just so close to that eight seed that I think they might they might as well go for it. And only half game back, that that should that shouldn't take too much in the, for the rain for the remainder of the season. And and yeah, I just agree. I disagree with all of Jack all of Jackson's points. I appreciate it, John. <laughs> I mean, their starting point guard is DJ Augustine. Yeah, I, I think they should just go for it. It's, I think it's a money thing at that point, and that's true. it's not like getting a, a lottery pick is going to put them over the top for next time anyways. It's Whatever pick like they could get. Make some money this that. year, figure out what to do with Vucevic, and then move on. Uh, so looking at the, uh, the Pacers next, the main thing we were going to talk about uh, on this was are the Pacers still a contending team even without Oladipo? And they seem to have been somewhat, in my opinion at least, proving that they can be. Um, not entirely, at least like not 100%, but I think they're, they're 100% better with Oladipo. But um, I don't think that they've been doing awful. I think um, they're still, yeah, they won eight of their last 10 games. So they're still, they're not doing awful without him really. But I, do you guys still think that they're going to stay in this, this um, in the position that they're in? Or do you think that they're going to have a serious fall um, the longer Oladipo is gone? With the way that they've been playing recently going, eight and two in the last ten, I do think they can continue to be a top five team in the East. I just feel that they're going to flame out in the first round of the playoffs. I don't think, I think without Oladipo, they don't have the depth to win a a seven-game series. But I think for the regular season, they can continue to play at the level that they are. I'm just looking at the Pacers' upcoming schedule, and during the month of March, their schedule is extremely difficult. They play Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Oklahoma City, Denver, Portland, Golden State, Denver again, Oklahoma City again, and then Boston, all in the month of March, which is extremely difficult. So I think during that stretch, we'll really see what the Pacers are made of, especially without Oladipo, because this stretch looks like it'll really make or break their season, based like if they'll get if they'll stay up top at the three seed or if they'll drop down to like the five seed, which is definitely possible. Well, except for those games against Boston, right? Because Boston's pretty trash at this point. Yeah, we'll get to that later. That's a separate topic. (laughs) Speaking about the Pacers' schedule, they have had a very easy schedule over the past 10 games. Yeah, which is easy to attribute those, I mean, those wins that they've had without him. Wins over teams like the Lakers, the Cavs, the Pelicans, the Heat, the Wizards, the Hornets. The only two losses were to the Bucks and then to the Pistons, which was a close game. It was um, 113 to 109. So, so most of the teams that they they won against weren't even over um, five hundred. Yeah, the only like significant loss they had, or significant point differential loss they had, was to the Bucks, the number one team in the East. So, yeah, I kind of going off what Dan said. If they get through this stretch and they're still top three, top four in the East, because the East, at least the top five, is very close. Um, 
and what was that next 10 games or whatever that can really like change the outcome of the top five and if they get through that stretch I think they're a dark horse to make the conference finals because that means they can compete against good teams even without their star and next year when Oladipo comes back we don't know what kind of moves they're going to make they could be a real uh, dark horse in the east I mean they have been but they could make the finals if they continue playing like this with Oladipo yeah I think this year they're not going anywhere because in crunch time who takes the shot on this team but Bojan Bogdanovic He's doing great, like, don't get me wrong, but I mean, last year in the playoffs we saw Oladipo was the guy that they turned to against LeBron in pretty much all seven games, and he did really well in the clutch for them. Unfortunately, LeBron was just the king. Um, but at this, with, without Oladipo, they don't have that person for the playoffs, so maybe next year when he comes back, but hopefully he comes back at full strength, which I don't know if he will. Yeah. So looking at the um, other side of, of this coin, uh, the Celtics, and some other teams, but starting with the Celtics, I know Dan is going to have some some opinions on this. But are the Celtics starting to fall? Are they going to fall in the rankings, or do you think that they're going to rise, maybe, or just stay, stay stick around where they are? I think people are making a bigger deal out of these last two losses than it really is. Like before the All Star break, the Celtics ended on a twelve to three run, and no one was talking about that. And then they come back and they lose against the Bucks on the road by one point without two key players, which honestly I'm pretty, I'm okay with that result because both teams were pretty rusty and they were in Milwaukee. But the Bulls game is definitely another story. Uh, We were down by like 25 or something and then started to come back at the end and only lost by 10. But against the Bulls, that's pretty disappointing because the Bulls are really not a good team. But I mean, the last two games that the Celtics played the Bulls, they won by an average of 42 points. So I think this looks like an outlier against the Bulls, at least, because yeah. earlier in the season, the Celtics were completely owning them. Yeah, going off that game, though, I think it's just how bad that loss was that makes people think that they're going to be on the decline. The Bulls were on the second game of a back-to-back and they immediately they exploded out of the game. The Celtics went down 25 early against a team that just played yesterday or the day before. Like, that has to have some effect on how people view that. And the Bulls are a bad team. They're second, third to last place in the East. 16 but, and 44. Yeah. Looking at the box score, though, the Celtics outscored the Bulls in the first quarter and the fourth quarter, and they tied in the third quarter. So it was just that second quarter of play that defined the entire game, because otherwise the Celtics outplayed them for two and a half to three quarters. And the Celtics have been known this season for struggling in the second quarter. So I guess that wasn't a complete surprise to me, but against the Bulls, obviously, you don't want that to happen. But really, it was just one quarter of the game the Celtics got really outplayed. But other than that, the Celtics were playing better than the Bulls. That quarter decided the game, though. Yeah. It did, yeah. yeah also, but I think it is It is fair to say, sorry, that, that it is an outlier, especially, like, I mean, looking at the, the game with the Bucks, it That one was even very, very close. I mean, and also it wasn't like the Bucks, who are also the number one team in the Eastern Conference. Like, they, they the Celtics held them at that point, so it's kind of like, I, it could be fair to say that maybe they're starting a fall with the whole Bulls thing, but I think it is also fair to say, as Dan brought up, that it, it is more of, like, an outlier. Yeah, thing. I don't know how one loss... To a, a bad team can be like, oh, they're 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 gonna fall now. That's it. Well, here's the thing for me. So we have what 22 games left. We're in the home stretch of the season. 
and the Celtics are the five seed and have been not doing, not living up to their potential all year. And this should be the time that they're really coming into their own if they're going to be a title contender. And with 22 games left, they lose to the Bulls by 10 on the second half, uh, second half of a doubleheader. Like the Celtics, if they're going to be real title contenders, which we thought they were going to be, it seems like they should be winning these games. Not just winning them, but winning them handedly. Not losing to a really bad team. Anyways. So just uh, transitioning, uh, the next team we were going to take a look at is the Lakers, who I know have been having their own personal issues uh, with morale and other such things, but also have started to drop in the rankings. Um, and that's something that I think we can all agree on. Um, just So what do we think is going on there? I know recently they are talking about how um, a lot of people have been attributing the drop in morale to LeBron James and the whole AD scandal, but that's what, what are your what are your guys' takes? Well, that is something maybe that's impacting chemistry, or it is, or maybe impacting chemistry. We really don't know because we're not inside that locker room. But this is just not a well constructed team. You have LeBron on the Cavs, which are historically bad team. With even with LeBron, we have. Him surrounded by shooters. His best shooter is is what? Like Reggie Bullock, who they just got, and then Rajon Rondo. Everyone else is shooting sub... Kuzma? Am I missing something? Kuzma's better than Rondo. Kuzma's shooting 32% from three. That is very bad. You mentioned Rondo, though. I mean... Rondo's shooting forty one percent. Yeah. Oh my! That must be a career high. <laughs> this is just not. A, this is just not a LeBron team. He can't take the ball and drive and then expect to kick it out and for that person to consistently make shots. That's why this team is losing. It's not because of the chemistry issues. It's just because this is a bad team. Like also one of the things I saw earlier today was that like at the beginning of the year the Lakers were trying to try to surround LeBron with other playmakers so it wasn't just him trying to kick it out to shooters. So that's why they got Rondo and they have Lonzo Ball. But they, them three have only played together 14 games this year because of LeBron's injuries, Rondo's injuries, and Lonzo's injuries. So I think they obviously weren't expecting them to play this little together. They were hoping that they would play more together. So I think it'll be interesting to see when they all come back healthy if that will have a bigger impact and if the Lakers will end up doing better when they all come back healthy. I mean, we'll see, but I think the biggest strength of, Le- of LeBron is his passing skills. And if he can't, if he doesn't have reliable knockdown shooters or even people who can hit it consistently or like even like better than 30%, that team's going to struggle. And I mean, it's not his fault, but like it's just Magic should be uh, criticized for his poor team construction around him. Now, they were the five seed in the West when healthy. So, I mean, this, it's not like it doesn't work when they're not healthy. They just got back to being healthy. Like I think we got to give them more chance. They were the five seed in yeah. what is a stacked West. So I'm not ready to write them off right now. I will also say, so Brandon Ingram had not scored 30 points in a game since high school, but he did tonight, even if they lose. Okay. He scored 32 tonight, which is so the first time. I mean, how old is Brandon? He's in his like, second or third year now, and he hadn't scored 30 yet, and he finally does it. That seems like it's a good sign for the leaders. Uh, so just moving on to the, the last thing that we were going to look at um, this this uh, fall was DeMar DeRozan. And he got like two standing ovations, I'm pretty sure. And they did, um, it, it just, they didn't end up winning, which kind of sucked. But um, yeah, that's, so I don't know if anyone else had anything they wanted to add about that. I mean, does, I don't, there are teams that I think that could, could potentially come back 
in it, but I don't, I'm not personally thinking they're going to stick around. I, they're still in it at this point, but I just don't think they're going to Yeah, they've had a rough, they've had a rough two games, losing to the Knicks, and then they just got blown out by Brooklyn tonight. So that's not They're good three and seven in their last ten. And DeMar DeRozan is not having a great season. I mean, stats-wise, he is having a great season, but compared to what we know he can do, it's not a great season for him. He's only, I mean, he's 47 from mid-range, but 17 from three. He, he was taking steps last year that showed that he could be a reliable three-point shooter, and he's just taking a major step back this year in that regard. Yeah, when you lose to, a, to, such, to a, such a team like the Knicks, like the, now the second-to-last team in the league, that's when you know. That's when you know that this team isn't going to go much further. And so just moving on to the next thing we wanted to talk about was the uh, Harden traveling cheating uh, scenario and how that's kind of been a little bit of a flare-up in the NBA. Uh, caused some speaking issues, really. Uh, I, I know Nate had some opinions on that, if you wanted to share with us. Yeah, uh, it's a travel. It's a violation of the rules. He shouldn't be allowed to do it. It's a boring way of playing basketball. And again, it's illegal. So I honestly don't see the, the debate here. He's traveling, and they're ignoring it because people like Harden, people, I guess. But if Harden's legacy is tarnished by the fact that he just breaks the rules every time, then I don't get it. Which is another thing that we also uh, wanted to just talk about is the fact of do we think that refs will call less fouls on stars such as James Harden and other such people um, and also maybe even call more like them drawing more fouls so going to the line more often. Um, so just uh, going off the James Harden thing or just do we think that that is something that James happens Harden. much more often? James Harden definitely. He has that um, prestige in the NBA where he is known to draw fouls, and I think that does affect how the refs call it. I think uh, any sort of contact, the refs are like, "Well, James Harden probably drew that foul, so they're gonna they're gonna give it to him." Especially on those like step back threes, if they someone even like gets even close to him, he's gonna he's gonna draw that foul and get to the line. Is that just how James Harden plays? Is that just his skill level uh, that he's able to draw those fouls in a way that is? It's just convincing, basically, that it looks as though, I mean, or that it really is, that he's just getting those fouls because he knows how to draw those fouls, or is it just that the refs honestly are just going for, it's it's James Harden, like, so might as well call the foul. I think Not in that sense, but yeah. In, in certain situations, I think they actually draw the foul. Joel Embiid is an example who does, he draws a lot of fouls just because he's so big and people are going to foul him. Same with LeBron, even though he... Um, he actually doesn't get as many calls as he probably should just because he's so strong. He doesn't even look like he gets fouled. But I know some players, uh, Goran Dragic, Kyrie Irving, who, like, uh, Kyrie Irving is a star, but it's someone like Goran Dragic who drives all the time and he gets hit more than anyone else and he doesn't draw any fouls. So I think there is a, is a prestige. I also think it's uh, how big someone is. Just, I mean, we know Harden also is a – he's MVP caliber player, as of course. And going off of uh, – MVP caliber, uh, looking at a PG-13 and um, also Russell Westbrook recently for, for, the, for the Thunder. Back to what I said last episode, I think he is, and I think he's going to be MVP. He's, he's been averaging a triple-double for the last, I don't even know how many games at this point. It's a, he's been doing it just about every game. The last three and seasons. Last three seasons. You got a good point there. And we talked about it last time, like, I know it's not all about the stats, but like he's just, just his style of play. I think really, 
I think it shouldn't it shouldn't have it shouldn't bring down his MVP like status too much. So uh, like e every player plays has a different style. Like Harden has his step back. Russ just drives to the post, and yeah, I think yeah, I think his his abilities on the court, and even like the fact that he can even put up these stats, I think definitely makes him MVP caliber. I mean, we can see that he's been—he's definitely been scoring a lot of points. He scored like what over forty. I think he scored forty-four last night. Last night, yeah. And so, I mean, or two days ago. Even I think in the other game, it was versus the Kings when Paul George wasn't doing really as hot, but Russell Westbrook was still, still lost on. that game. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, the point is that Russell Westbrook is—he's, I mean, he's, he's doing very well. He's getting a lot of points, but is he MVP caliber? All right, let me ask this question: Do we all agree that Russell Westbrook has taken himself and taken a step back? to allow Paul George to play, to take the ball more, to do more, which is why we're considering Paul George as an MVP candidate. I think yes. yes. But I think that's one of the reasons why he is... Right. So when Russell Westbrook got the MVP, why did we give it to him? Because he single-handedly carried the thunder and did everything. He had the ball all the time, and he got up with those the whole year. And now we're going to give him an MVP for taking a step back and giving it to someone else to do it? That doesn't make any sense to me. For me, I just feel that Paul George is the better player on the team. They're two very good players who are very good at what they do, but I think Paul George is the best player on that team. So I feel that it's hard to say that Russell Westbrook is the MVP over someone who is playing better than him. At least, I think, contributing better to the team. Yeah, if, if um, Russell Westbrook isn't even the most valuable player on the Thunder, how can he be the most valuable player in the NBA? Essentially, that's what I'm getting off of what you're saying. Well, I'm thinking who else we consider for MVP. I mean, we got Giannis. I think Giannis is far above everyone else. Yeah. Well, we have Giannis, we have Kawhi, Harden. Yeah. No, Harden. Harden Kawhi. No, he Kawhi. hasn't played enough games. I feel like I've heard Kawhi. But let's just take Giannis and Harden specifically. Those two guys carry their teams. Like, Giannis is the Bucks. They built around him. And Harden is the Rockets Both. because he scores all of their points. Um, so why would we give it to Russell Westbrook? who isn't carrying his team. Like, if, if the criteria is you have to carry your team, uh, he's not. I think you can carry your team, though, and, and something other than just points. Not saying that Russell Westbrook does that. I think carrying your team means more than just scoring a ton, which is what he seems to be doing, sort of. I mean, I'm saying Westbrook is scoring a lot. Like, that, we can say that he's getting a lot of stats and things like that. But he's also getting like, a lot of assists. I thought yes, the point was that he was thing. pulling back, though. Like, no, no, that's, I'm, but I'm saying I, I think that it's that, that's why I'm trying to get across, is that I think being an MVP is about more than just getting stats. Just having, like, all the great stats. You need to be out there and you need to be helping the team in a way, in a sense that's not just... Like, you lead your team not just by doing things on your own, but being the person that is getting the team working. That's right. what he does, though. That's what I'm trying to say about Russell Westbrook. Like, he's, like, he, like, he, Paul George, and all of the Thunder, they're on the team for a reason. Like, it shouldn't, the, I mean, the way it is now, it shouldn't just be that you're, that one person carries the team on its shoulder. Except in James Harden's case. Oh. Well, okay. Well, but Russell Westbrook does have another person on the team. Yeah, 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 right. You have, like, there's a I reason. I see what you're saying. Well, there's a reason Paul George is on that team too. It, like they wouldn't, if they didn't, need, if they were fully reliant on Russell Westbrook, they didn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't needed Paul George, and so, and so it shouldn't just be about one like it shouldn't just be about one person with a bunch of with a bunch of subsidiary players surrounding him, and yes, that yes, these guys lead, these guys 
move the ball effectively, but it, that Indiana thing comes down to abilities on the court and what they do for the team. And I think Russell Westbrook checks both of those boxes, unlike someone like James Harden, who would carry the team. Yes, he's scored all these points for the Rockets, and he's such, he's such a great player, don't get me wrong. But I, I, think, I think we shouldn't count out Russell Westbrook for MVP. I think he, Russell is a great leader and a great player. He gets a lot of assists, a lot of rebounds. Um, but, yeah, like Nate said, he's not having the year he did two years ago. He's also just not up there, I don't think, with Harden or Giannis or even, honestly, if we consider Kawhi. But, I mean, I, just, I, I think he's a great player, really, as Ben was saying. I just, he's just not the most. And even Kevin Durant and Steph Curry could be up there yeah. in the MVP conversation. Um, I think it's a difficult conversation if you want to say that Russell Westbrook shouldn't deserve MVP because of him giving up a lot of stuff to Paul George, but then say that Steph and KD could be MVP even though they just are on this ridiculous team. I agree. Like, that's a difficult... Well, like, yeah, Hardy I don't, carries, I don't think Giannis carries, but, like, if we're going to say Russ can't do it, then I think we got to say Steph and KD can't be it either. Probably not. Uh, so last thing we wanted to talk about was just um, our predictions uh, for... Well, our, our predictions for our MVP candidates and also just... Um, who we think the the top five the top five are in the power rankings right now? Not the actual power rankings, but just like our personal opinions on that. So um, I know I at least was had the Bucks as number one in the power rankings, which I know is a little controversial, especially since the Warriors are kind of just always number one. Um, but I personally just think that I think the Bucks have a chance to to come in and take over in right. the playoffs. Right now, I think the Bucks are the hottest team in the league. Because everyone says, oh, the Warriors are coasting. But that, like, we're talking about right now, and right now the Bucks are the best. Also, Giannis is MVP. That's my prediction. Yeah, I, I think Giannis is MVP as well, because he's going to have the one seed, and it's going to be all his doing. Um, the Bucks are the hottest, yes, so perhaps in the power rankings. To me, this year's power rankings don't even matter. So if the Bucks are number one in the power rankings, it says nothing to me because Golden State, I don't think the Bucks have a chance, really, against a playoff Golden State team. No one does. I'm going to deviate from your from the three of you here and say the Warriors, just because they've, they've, they just, they've been the same team for such a long time, and they just, they just keep doing the same, the same, putting up the same numbers over and over again, and nothing's really... I feel like nothing's really changed on that end, but actually the Bucks has a number two in my power rankings, if that, if that says something. And you guys already know my MVP prediction, but if I had a second choice, I'd say Giannis. Yeah, I here also stand Celtics number one. No, in the power rankings. <laughs> I'm being realistic here. Right, the Celtics are not number one in the power rankings. I have the Bucks at number one because I, I I do think that Golden State is the best team in the league, but currently, right now, I agree that the Bucks are the hottest. So I had Bucks at number one, barely above Golden State, which is at number two. I personally feel that the Warriors are the best team in the NBA right now and that they should be number one in the power rankings. I just think they're too good to uh, not put at number one. They're a team that could easily beat any other team in the NBA any given night. So I feel that they just can't, you can't have a list where they're not number one. Okay, um, I'm just going to go through and quickly explain my others for the top five. 
Warriors are number two. I think that's obvious. It's Bucks Warriors one and two, or Warriors Bucks one and two. I don't think there's any debate over that. Um, I have the Nuggets at number three. They're the second best team in the West. They are uh, when come playoff time, they definitely have a good shot at making the conference finals. Nobody's beating the Warriors. That's just not happening. But the conference finals is definitely a good uh, spot for them to to end up. Then I have four as the Thunder with Paul George and Russell Westbrook, of course, and then the Raptors are in my number five spot. Dan, where do you have the Celtics? I'm pure curiosity. I have them at number seven. Right now. To be fair, I have the Sixers at number seven. I don't even have the Celtics on my list. <laughs> I have the Sixers and Celtics tied for number seven. Mine, Interesting choice. My list has the Celtics at seven and the Sixers at eight. That's exactly what I have, too. I had uh, similar predictions to Ben for the top five also. Um, I had the Rockets before the Nuggets, though, which I know seems a little controversial of a pick. I don't know why. I have a feeling that the Rockets are, are going to take off in the, no pun intended, in the, um, in the playoffs this Listen, year. For the Nuggets, it's all about if they're home or away. 26-4 and four at home. It's the Mile High City. Honestly, it's how to do it. You just keep running up and down the court, and no one can keep up because no one breathes that air. Do you want to go through and, and say what your rest of your top five the next three are? Oh, yeah. Um, I had Bucks Warriors. I don't even think that matters. But um, I had to say Thunder first and then Denver and then Toronto. I think Philly and Boston are irrelevant at this point. Um, I agree. So let's see. I already mentioned Warriors and Bucks one, two, respectively. I had Nuggets at, Nuggets at three. And Thunder at four, just because Nuggets are so hot right now. They they they're such like this. It's like this, like you know. It's like you know. This it's like this team we haven't seen before. Like and they're just they're doing so well. And I think they'll they'll be. A th- I think three is a good place for them. Rockets at five, just because like lately they've been lately they've been five and five in their last yeah five and five in their last ten, and so it. And so I'm kind of, I was kind of uneasy about the, about their uh, place right now. Um, I had the same top five as Ben, but in just a slightly different order. Um, number three, I had Toronto. Um, then number four, I had Denver. And then five, I had Oklahoma City. Mine is almost the same as Dan's. I just had Warriors first, then Bucks, and then uh, Toronto, Denver, OKC. And I think in general people agree that Giannis was... Um, probably in the leader for MVP, except for Josh, who I know is still uh, <laughs> is still going hard for Russell Westbrook. I don't know. I, I Dan and Andrew, I don't know if you guys had a different opinions from that. I agree with Giannis. Yeah, was, Giannis. Okay. Should um, we go Kyrie? You positive? Yeah, I'm sure. Giannis is having the better season. Um, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, thank you for tuning in today, and we will see you all next week for another episode of Heat Check. <laughs>